Coming up next on Rugby Wrap-Up, USA Rugby CEO Ross Young. Rugby Wrap-Up brought to you in part by Irish Rugby Tours, the Rugby Tours people, the Pig and Whistle on West 36th Street, and Lean and Limber. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Rugby Wrap-Up. Matt McCarthy in Midtown Manhattan talking rugby. And when you're talking rugby in America, uh, there's no bigger name than the CEO of USA Rugby, Mr. Ross Young. Ross, welcome. Thanks very much, Matt. Ross, a bit of a a rough week, a rough spell for USA Rugby. It's not a fun time with some stuff that's going on, and I, I don't have fun questions for you. Oh, listen, I understand that, and, and I agree. Um, you know, we're in we're in a tough spot. Um, I mean, we can certainly go through some of the causes of that today. Um, I mean, I'm certainly focused on on trying to resolve resolve what we can. Um, certainly, don't want to be here under these circumstances. But you know, I think it's uh, as I've tried to say to everyone and the various discussions we've had with with various different groups. I think that, you know we've we've been open and transparent about everything we've done this year so i want to ensure that we that we continue that as much as much as we can even though there are obviously still some sensitive issues um that uh that, that we may have to skirt around a little bit in this discussion but we can obviously address once uh you know once i get to you know get solutions in place and can be be able to speak openly about them i got to say from the get go it's a positive that you're actually coming on camera to talk about things and even things that you can't talk about because that's that hasn't happened in the past in different administrations. So kudos. All right, so let's get to the nitty-gritty. And keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, that yours truly was a five-year English major from the University of Buffalo. So I don't have the legal mind that some of the folks out there might have to ask certain questions, so I may tick you off with my questioning. But from what I gather, Ross, we have basically another enormous fiscal disaster within two plus years. And after a huge high performance or HP overspend previously, where everyone should be on alert, we've got another one in the tune of about 825K. Yeah, I mean, we don't know exactly what the total is because we're dealing with unaudited accounts. I mean, around figure from, you know, around three quarters of a million for sure. Um, I think just putting the framework around what you said, Matt, the, you know, we've talked about it various different times in, in open and public forums. I think I don't really want to get, you know, to discuss about what happened before this existing regime. Um, and Obviously, the, the current fully seated board, you know, myself, Eric Leeson, you know, we, we haven't been here that long. And it's been a constant process of trying to put out fires and dig ourselves out of the hole that we all knew were in there. I think to frame how we're going to operate this year, um, we did a, you know, did a public facing presentation around the NDS at the beginning of the year, which, you know, we said we were going to have to hit the reset. We we're going to have to ask some hard questions. and. You know, what we tried to do this year was be as tight as we could, put the controls in place. We knew money was going to be tight and there wasn't a lot of room for error. So, you know, we reverse engineered a budget, if you like, to, uh, you know, to uh, to get us through with some basic operating principles for this year to let us get a real handle on where we would go to. We undertook the strategic planning process and then 
you know, having a clear picture of where we got to at the end of this year is, you know, would then allow us to to really work through some of those those key initiatives that again that we've talked about and monthly calls with with Congress groups. I mean, there's various different communication criteria we've put in place. I think we've been clear of what we tried to do. As soon as this came to light, we've been open about trying to address it. Um, you know, but ultimately, you know, as you've said, I think it's a completely different set of circumstances with what's happened at the past with you know, some strategic decision making. I think we've uh, we've we've got ourselves in a position through some some mistakes. Um, you know, I accept the responsibility. Eric respects responsibility. There's a collective responsibility for what's happened. Um, you know, but we we set pretty strict criteria in areas, and unfortunately, you know, they weren't adhered to within the organisation. And you know, as we've all been pretty big workloads, we've reduced staff levels during this year. Think that you know, a couple of things got missed that got amplified, and a couple of elements outside of our control. So we certainly want to get ahead of that, address it. It's it's not an ideal situation, but you know, we're, de- we're determined to to move forward and address it. Who was responsible for it? It's a it's a eight hundred twenty five thousand for an organization like this is a ton of money, and specifically yeah. coming off the history, the fiscal history that we've had to endure, even the last ten years, right? So, just for folks at home, that's that's what it's a, in relative terms. They might be used to American professional sports, where eight hundred twenty five thousand dollars doesn't even get you a lefty relief pitcher that can throw for one out. But this is a big amount of money for this organization. Yeah, it is. How does it? How did it happen in terms of was there a lack of checks and balances and who is answering for it? Well, you know, as I said, I think there's a degree of collective responsibility from everyone in the organization and we're accepting of that. I think when you build budgets and you go through the process we went through, you know, there is there is a there is a responsibility of that that budget line holder to to manage their budget and you know there has to be trust within that budget line holder so you know the general manager of the men's 15s program is responsible for that line item i mean it looks in in retrospect that when he was desperately trying to get the budget under the figure that that, that we that we set as a maximum spend for the year you know he removed certain items that weren't tracked um again you know given more time given more resource to be able to go through it you know the, we we sh, you know sh, should we could we would we I think in hindsight it's always easy to do that but you know there's a degree of trust there's a degree of professional responsibility within that area and I think a couple of budget line items were moved that removed that that then weren't tracked against which didn't, oh didn't give us the foresight to be able to see this coming down the line because a couple of the, the lines that were removed were were payments that were going to have to be made and again I'm, slightly vague due to want to make sure we don't get in a position whereby um you know so say too much around some of these items that have individual connotations but the, and, I, and, I, and i appreciate that and i understand you have but, meetings but ahead so of so the, yeah, I, I, you have yeah, exactly. you meetings coming up meeting to find out some of this and, stuff right but exactly exactly but you know the the individual budget line item wasn't there therefore wasn't being tracked um and then you know those payment requests which were normal normal business payment requests if you like it wasn't anybody asking to sign off a 
you know, two or three just huge checks. Um, you know, individual run of the business, you know, normal business, small payments through to players were were made, um, but they weren't tracked against a budget line. And, you know, there should have been more oversight from, you know, the financial controller and the GM to do that. That wasn't raised until after those transactions had taken place. So, you know, there is individual responsibility and accountability that we've had to to look at. But you're right, there is a collective responsibility that, which is easy in retrospect, that, you know, we, sh- we should have had more oversight in that. And, and, and that didn't happen. And, you know, as we said, when you're walking a tightrope with very small budgets, something of that magnitude, when it comes from nowhere, is, is hugely difficult to deal with. If I'm not mistaken, Dave Hodges, the general manager of the men's squad, and Chris Hansen, the manager, were let go. It's in a two different set of circumstances there. I mean, we sat down with Dave. Dave's a full-time employee. Um, you know, went through the criteria of how it happened with Dave. And then we took the, the early decision to, 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 to let Dave go um, as part of almost the financial restructuring that we knew we were going to have to take place within that program anyway. I think Chris, Chris is a contractor. Chris's contract was up for renewal at, at the end of this year. You know, spoke to Chris about it. You know, when we look at how we're going to rebuild for next year, there are going to be consequences for the men's 15s program with regard to budget and, and how that, you know, how they conduct themselves moving forward. So those two positions in reality, you know, weren't going to exist moving forward anyway. So when you look at all the criteria, you look at the accountability, yeah, the decision was made to to let Dave go and the decision, you know, to not to renew Chris's contract was was made. Obviously, the accountability from a controller and a visibility of, of finances we also made that decision with the controller also. And on that note, don't go away. If you're in New York City and want to watch some great rugby, have some great food, and some great times, go to the world's best rugby pub, The Pig & Whistle, on West 36th Street. been blind since I was four. And I've never seen a beer commercial or a beer label. None of that stuff influences me. I drink beer because of the taste. And my beer is Pabst Blue Ribbon. It has the taste and the flavor. What do you think's on the label? I think there's a, a naked woman riding on a unicorn, jumping over fire. Oh, that's good beer. Welcome back to Rugby Wrap-Up. Mr. Ross Young, CEO of USA Rugby. Another tough question for you. Was membership dues, a.k.a. SIP, used to pay for some of these overages? It's, I mean, I'd to be brief here. They, what, they weren't knowingly, when you look at how the accounts are structured here, and again, it's a complexity we've been looking to address from, from day one. Yeah, I mean, we, we take in, you know, through multiple sources, individual SIPs, group SIPs, State, you know, state rugby organisation SIPs with add-on third-party dues attached to them. So, you know, when you're looking at the third-party due payments, they all come into a central account and have to be, you know, pretty much have to be reconciled, moved around, and then paid back to those third-party entities. So, you know, those third-party dues, therefore the additional monies, if you like, that come into the organisation, you know, we're in that holding account prior to the the reconciliation taking place. So when those transactions were made, 
were they knowingly made by moving a particular bucket of membership fees to release it? No, they weren't. I mean, the the, the cash was sitting in in the account, I mean, not being reconciled as a total amount, but you know, the, the cash has gone. It's gone. I think you know, I've said a couple of times, and we've said openly that Congress meeting in July. It's it's hugely onerous, hugely time consuming and, and difficult to do for us to almost be that third party banking for drawing it in and passing it out. And we were looking to put systems and processes in place and a new system, which we'll get next year, which will stop that ever happening again because of the onerous nature of it. So, you know, that's about as much as I'm going to say on that matter. But no, we didn't knowingly say, oh, hang on a minute, we've got no money. We're going to take these third party dues here and and and. and and pay, you know, pay right. high performance bills. So it wasn't that, 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 that happened. So it's not a question of it being intentional, as much as it being um, a, a system systemic um, failure, so to speak, in Based, terms of yeah, technology. Basically, yeah, because the way, the way that money goes in and before it goes back out, it all sits in a central pot. So we, you know, it's something that we, we we'd address. We're looking to address moving forward, and I think because of the, the couple of errors here that. That you know, should there have been more visibility? Should have we known that you know that cash flow was there? Again, I'm, I'm sure we I'm sure we would, but you know that there was no you know there was no conspiracy to to use the membership's money. There was no malicious intent with it. It was a, a fundamental mistake. All right, so again, I'm completely out of my depth in asking this question, but I'll ask it because I'll get crucified if I don't. Uh, is whether it was purposeful or not? And we've established that it wasn't. Uh, is there a question of legality? I don't think there is, as long as the payments are due, and that you know, and we're looking to address that, and we're looking to prioritise, you know, with you know, going down the route of exploring different different funding initiatives. Um, and I've said again, we've, we've said openly on various different forums that after you know the what happened pre-2018 and obviously before you know part of the resolution last time around was a line of credit from world rugby which we've you know actively tried to to pay back this year so there's still an open line of credit there is that the the the, the first and most straightforward way to try and deal with that is to draw that back down and we're going through you know that option with them hoping to finalize that shortly and you know, as soon as as soon as we get the funds in, the first priority is to pay those back. So, should they have been paid before now? Yes, they should. Um, but it's certainly a priority to get those payments out and get those back in the hands of the of the third parties because you know it's their money ultimately. Is there a timetable for the respective unions and setups that already have scheduled events and are relying on that money to get paid? And if so. Is there a plan set in place to get that money? I mean, the the intention is to, as soon as this is done, so we're talking about a number of days, maybe a week for the first tranche to be paid, and then it to be paid off in full by the end of the year. But as soon as we, you know, as soon as we get the funds in place, then, you know, it, it's certainly our intention to make all those stakeholders aware of the timelines for how much and when they'll be getting that money once we've once we've got the money in the account. And f- for people at home, because I'm getting educated as I go here, uh, an extended line of credit from World Rugby. A lot of people are up in arms about this, but it's not necessarily a high interest rate or an interest rate, interest rate at all on that money. It's basically a line of credit that just has to be paid back. Is, is that accurate? 
pretty much. Um, and again, you know, I've talked about that previously, Matt. I think that, you know, we looked at options. We looked at extending different line of credits from the more traditional, you know, the more traditional funds. And I think, you know, it's something that World Rugby has has helped numerous different unions around around the world with um, over time. So it, it's not it's not uncommon for them to help in, you know, in this way when, you know, when unions meet meet financial hardship it's certainly not what we wanted to do and i'll reiterate that it's you know that it's it, it's one of the last things we want to do is go back having tried to take so many steps to to make the necessary improvements over the last year but no it's uh you know and you know you look at some of the long-term strategies and what we want to do in the u.s you know it, we you know we're relying on grants from world rugby to do that anyway we're in, relying on grants from the USOPC to do that. So, you know, when it comes to the teams, when it comes to, you know, those governing bodies um, that sit above us, you know, we're relying on monies from them anyway. I mean, the, the line of credit is, you certainly don't want to do it, but, you know, managing that and managing that in line with, you know, with, with future funding is, is, is something that we, that, that we want to address and we want to make sure we get locked down and we, you know, we build forward in the future properly. Given how this fiscal crisis has happened again with USA Rugby, why should a USA Rugby member or an American Rugby fan trust USA Rugby with money again? And what do you say to those out there that say that you should just tear it all up, uh, declare bankruptcy for the for-profit arm, and just start the NGB over again on paper tomorrow? Like always, it, it's much easier to add to the second pass far. I think, you know, by the, if you look at, you know, the the corporate structure, you look at how we folded the for-profit arm back in underneath, you know, underneath USA Rugby, which, you know, the huge cleanup operation attached to it. I think the the complexities of blowing things up and restarting again, um, you know, is, is hugely complex. I mean, we, you know, it's right. If everybody gets fired tomorrow, then, how do you replace them? Yeah, that, yeah. That, you know, and then how do you how do you build that? How do you then get re-sanctioned by the entity? You know, what do the national teams do on the on the back of that? The, I, I think you know. Let's let's leave addressing that question in a little bit more detail for you know for another time. Um, I think it's it it is it is massively complicated and we certainly won't get it today it's uh, it's not as easy because technically if there's not a national governing body within the territory then ultimately the game of rugby as it's overseen by by world rugby almost doesn't exist so um you know the usopc and the, the, the sevens teams you know again another complex equation i think they're you know, national governing bodies as 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 member owned entities exist for for those reasons. So it's let, let let's address about you know those strategic options if you like when we when we get back over. You just really want to want to do that. From, All right. From moving how, forward. how about I the trust that, issue? I, the, the, tr- the trust issue has been there from day one, um, and I think you know we need you know as we said we've been open and transparent. You know the as part of the existing core team that we need to be that we just we just need to we need to take the right steps to do what we want to do, communicate how we do it and get the buy in. You know, if you 
if you look at what we've tried to achieve with the again with the strategic planning process you know that's out there initiatives what we're trying to do with national teams you know improving the tools if you like for you know for those those third party stakeholders of, of the organization to do that turn some of the issues upside down it was always going to be a long and lengthy process to to rebuild that trust because the distrust has been ingrained for a long time and well, I've been here six years I'm certainly committed to to keep going you know as, as long as the board has confidence in me I've got confidence in the people around me I've got confidence of the potential of what can happen in the US this is a, a huge speed bump that we didn't want to happen but you know we'll Let's be open and transparent. Let's put the options of what we've all got available out there for us to move forward. And I think one of the things that have been talked about you know, is some of the decentralization, which, you know, people go on online, they'll see that as part of the strap plan. That's something we we need to do, but there has to be a transition to that. You know, when it comes to the grassroots game and the community game and, you know, what the, the membership is there and, and more focused on, you know, how do we how do we turn things upside down there for that to be more geographically focused in those areas? I think those those strategy elements are stuff that you know there's a lot of things that we've come out as part of the initiatives, and we've got to hang in there. You blow it up and start again. You you know who knows where you're going to go or how long that's going to be. I think obviously this is a huge backward step that none of us wanted to take. You know we're trying to deal with it, and then you know let's talk in a little bit more detail about the strategy of how we can. We can all collectively, you know, build on things. We've been talking for the last year since I've been here about, you know, unite, unite everyone together in a, in a common goal. You need aspirational teams performing at the top of their level as part of a governing body. And I think the sevens teams in particular have shown that that, that can happen and that can be inspirational. The, the mod, you know, their models are slightly different because of the increased funding for the USOPC, etc. So. And it's also, it's almost, it's almost as though with the more chaos that's going on in the offices, the teams are doing better on the pitches. Listen, I think we're all, you know, I think it's compounded. I think we're all disappointed, as Blaine said in his statement about where we ended up with, we'd obviously wanted to do better in the 15s World Cup for sure. I think we have made, we have made big inroads on all front and women's 15 sides in a rebuilding phase also prior to 21. So let's be open, let's be honest, let's get everything out there and, you know, and collectively try and look at building things. I mean, the the governance review that, that we started as the, taken a painfully long time to get we, where we need to get to because of the multiple stakeholders involved in the organization and you know let's we'll discuss about more about that next week at the board meeting and let's let's come back and and, and resume the discussion here yeah you know once we get more more direction on that front and we totally appreciate your time i know this is like um you're, you're like dustin hoffman in marathon man and i'm olivier driving drilling away without any novocaine but last question, because we, we brought up Blaine Scully, we brought up men's 15s. Will the men's 15s program be affected by this? I think I've already alluded. I think we're all going to be affected by it. And, you know, the, the, the main root cause of, of where we do, ha- you know, has to bear the brunt of that. With You know, we, we talked about accountability from individuals earlier. And I think collectively, you know, as we, as, you know, as we're pulling together the budgets for, for next year, there has to be consequences and there has to be implications on the on the men's 15s program for sure. So, you know, we still want to give them a platform to compete. Um, you know, when you look at you know, the start of a 
another four-year cycle. Um, I mean, we certainly we certainly don't want to drop them altogether by any means. We still want to give them the opportunity to play meaningful games. Um, there are some long-term strategy discussions that started in in Japan that will continue um, in the early part of next year about meaningful fixtures. Um, you know, there's there's the there's the Pacific Cup for for the women's 15s. There's a number of initiatives out there that you know that we'll be able to draw more funding from as well. But when we talk about responsibility and we talk about discretional funding from within within the union, then yeah, there has to be consequences for the men's 15s program. All right, Ross, I got to tell you, I don't like doing these kinds of interviews, but they're important. And I think you coming out here and answering these questions is a big thing. It's it's showing some transparency. It's showing that you're you're not going to just hide out there in Colorado. And I really appreciate it. And I think the membership and people out there are going to appreciate it. No, we we don't. And believe you me, and I said at the start, you know, the, the Congress call last week, you know, there is a heartfelt apology. I'm passionate. I care. Um, you know, I know Eric's the same. I know the team here are the same. It's gut wrenching for everyone. You know, I'm upset. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. Of course, I am. Um, you know, and I, I thank you for the opportunity of getting on here. I said it's it's a horrible situation, but you know it's we do genuinely care, and you know I I am accepting of, of, of part of that blame. I have to be, but I still think that having learned from the lessons and being here with appeal, take it forward. So listen, I appreciate your time. Um, it's a horrible situation, but the you know I'm determined to do whatever I can to try and you know keep things moving forward and i know that's easier said than done but appreciate your time and on that note i'm matt mccarthy for mr ross young the ceo of usa rugby in midtown manhattan signing off